Welcome to Kansas City Confidential, a podcast where we hear from the people behind Kansas City's local restaurants, businesses, and personalities. I'm your host, Sari, and this week I'm joined by Brian Sparks, owner of the classic cookie, Beloved, and his new dinner concept, Wild Rose. Brian has a special connection to the classic cookie because not only did he work there at the age of 11, his mom worked there too. After being in the restaurant industry for many years and struggling to find his place post-pandemic, Brian decided to buy and remodel the place he once called home. Casey Confidential. Casey's Confidential. Yay. Kansas City's best. Casey Confidential. I'm so excited to have you on. I have been a longtime fan of the Classic Cookie. Uh, You and I talked about this a little uh, the first time we met and uh, recently visited Wild Rose during their uh, the soft opening, which we absolutely loved. I want to get more into that. But just to kind of start off, I mean, really full circle, your first job was at the Classic Cookie. Did you ever imagine that you would one day own it and be running the show there? Uh, no, I, I think up until the pandemic, I never wanted to own a restaurant or my own business at all. Uh, I was really content and happy kind of working for uh, Jack's Fish House where I was at, building my career up that way. But um, as the pandemic did for a lot of people, everything kind of flipped on its head and changed for him. But yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy coming full circle. My mom worked there. I had a couple uncles who worked at Romanelli's. Uh, used to be down on the corner. My aunts have been going there for coffee for the last 20 years. So to be able to kind of come come back to it has been pretty special. You've had so much experience at a variety of restaurants. So how have you taken those skills at each different restaurant? Because those it's a wide variety of cuisine that you have handled. So when it came to your own business, how did you know what cuisine you wanted to serve to customers? So I think I really started, like I said, started getting my appreciation for cooking and for serving people while I was in the Coast Guard. And that's kind of where I found my my love and passion for cooking. For me, cooking is the vessel to connecting with my community. I guess I'm not really one of those chefs that like it's all about the food because for me, it's not. It's about the experience. It's about creating an atmosphere that is memorable for everyone around them. For me, the kind of food part was was probably one of the more challenging parts. I think I bounced around a lot because I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was kind of old, relatively speaking, when I started cooking. I was 26, going on 27, and I was line cooking next to a bunch of 20, 21-year-olds. So I think a lot, I think a lot of that bouncing around was was me being a little impatient, a little chip on the shoulder trying to catch up to my age group peers and also trying to figure out what it is I did want to do with the with the cooking world because I knew I wanted to be a chef I knew I wanted to cook I knew I wanted to provide experiences and serve people Um, so I think it just it took me a few years to to figure out what that looked like pandemic had a really large effect on the food industry as a whole. And, you know, we saw that in Kansas city, what kind of shifted in your brain during that time? And then eventually, you know, owning the classic cookie. So I think the big shift was 
the the two months that I took off during the first initial quarantine was the longest break I've had by almost two months. I don't I don't think I took a vacation from the first 10 years that I was working in kitchens. When you're in that atmosphere, when you're in that environment, you kind of put blinders on and you put your head down and you just go and you work. Stepping back and kind of getting to remove yourself from that situation allows you to see it from not necessarily a new perspective, but probably the way everybody else was was seeing it. And the restaurant industry still needs a lot of work when it comes to how we treat the employees, how our customers treat restaurants. I, I got out of the restaurant industry after the pandemic because I didn't want to kind of be a part of the culture that restaurant industry had become known for. And so that's kind of where Beloved on the Go came from, which was the first venture. And it, it started off as a meal delivery service company where we were we were cooking for probably upwards of 30 to 40 clients a week and delivering it to their doorsteps Monday morning. And then that kind of branched off into catering. But I still wanted to cook. I still wanted to do food. And Beloved was the way for me to still connect with my guests and still connect with my clients and not have to really be back into the restaurant industry until we found a way that we really wanted to do it and that worked well for everybody involved. You mentioned the way that people treat service and restaurants, and I won't name the restaurant I was at, but it is unfortunate. I was I was picking up to go order recently at a restaurant, and this man came in and was yelling at the hostess about something about his order. It just frustrated me for the restaurant because everyone knows that there's staffing issues, there's supply chain issues. I think on the one hand, parts of the pandemic, people have become really understanding. And then there's the other hand where I think people have become more impatient. I was just so sad watching this guy yell at this restaurant for something that hadn't gone right in his order. And instead of just calmly pointing it out, saying what the issue was, it was like guns blazing. And I just felt really bad for the hostess, the manager had to get involved and it just turned into a big thing. And and it, it becomes a very cyclical problem, I think, because a lot of these people that take the brunt of these guests, the host, wherever you were at, she was probably under 20 years old. This is probably one of her first jobs she's ever had. So now as a, in her formative years, she's getting it kind of in her head. This is how people treat each other. It kind of resets this whole like class system up like, well, if you work at a restaurant, then you're allowed to be treated this way. But I know if I go to my dad's office, I'm not going to treat anybody there the way that I just got treated. It's it's going to be one of those kind of we have to break the cycle things. And that's been kind of the hard part about getting back into it, because like you said, everybody was a lot of people were very understanding. But it seems like the people that are impatient or were impatient to start with, it just amplified everything that was going on with them. So it's been an interesting kind of rebirth for restaurants as a whole coming back into it. I think you're seeing a lot of different styles pop up and you're seeing a lot of different techniques for how the businesses are ran. And I think we, I don't think we're ever going to go back to a normal. I think we're going to find a new normal moving forward. As a part of Classic Cookie and Beloved on the Go recently opened Wild Rose, which is the dinner concept for your restaurant. 
Is that something that was always sort of in the back of your head that you wanted to do? Or was that something that evolved over time at the restaurant? I think it evolved over time. The, the whole reason for purchasing the classic cookie was to have our own kitchen to work out of for Beloved On The Go. Between caterings and weekly meal preps, it just wasn't convenient anymore to work in a commissary kitchen where we were kind of renting it by the hour. It was scheduling was always crazy. And so we needed a, a full-time kitchen that was ours that we could work out of. And we went down the road of buying a building and building out our own kitchen. There were a handful of businesses that were restaurants that were up for sale that we were looking at. But the classic cookie would just made sense. We do all of our deliveries on Monday. The classic cookies traditionally closed on Monday. We do most of our cooking for Beloved at nights and it's closed at night. So the synergy between what the classic cookie was and what the beloved what beloved was just seemed to fit really well going into it. And I knew going into opening up the classic cookie that we were going to do more with that space. We just didn't want to jump into anything without a super solid plan, without kind of seeing what the neighborhood wanted and needed. That's kind of where Wild Rose came from, just talking to all of our guests and all of our regulars and figuring out what was missing from the neighborhood. And so how were you coming up with the menu for Wild Rose? Because there were some, you know, kind of funky things on there. And there was this miso butter with that served with the bread that was absolutely insane. And it, it was so good. So I'd love to hear how you came up with the menu items for, for the Wild Rose. So the way we approached Wild Rose was a famous chef out of France. His name is Alain Ducasse. And I was watching a documentary a few months ago about his life and his cooking of like cooking through all the kitchens. And he was building a restaurant inside of a famous French hotel that hadn't seen a restaurant in like a hundred years. So he had restaurants in Japan, in Vegas, in New York, and I think he has one in Brazil. So he's all over the place with his restaurants. So how do you, how does he keep a really concise menu that makes sense? And he said the way he wants to view everything is he, he thinks globally and acts locally. For me, that really stuck. And the way we take that to mean is we can draw inspiration from anywhere in the world. We don't really limit ourselves to flavor profiles, to certain palettes. We just, wherever we're feeling the, the urge to explore, we go there. But we do it within the framework of what we can get locally. So if we have a dish that we want to do, we'll start with the concept of that dish and then start breaking it down into its individual components and figuring out what we're going to source locally and maybe changing some things on the dish based off of the availability of what we can get from our farmers and our producers. As a chef, are you always kind of thinking about the next dish or do you feel like you get ideas kind of spur of the moment and need to write it down to make sure you remember later? So I have an obsessive personality. If you talk to most chefs, they would say the same thing, that they're, they get very obsessive about what they do. I find myself spiraling in a few different ways. It's never the same way. I'll either start spiraling about a specific ingredient, like trying to come up with as many dishes as I can or variations as I can. 
using that one ingredient. Sometimes it's it's thinking about a style of plating that I want to use and building dishes around that. So for me, it's not necessarily one thing. Like I just, I go in a bunch of different directions, but when I go that direction, it's usually a pretty intense, a pretty intense road. Especially in the kitchen. And I feel like when you have a certain flavor palette or you have certain expectations, it's, you want to get every, everything right. And I want to ask you, so you obviously own essentially, you know, multiple businesses and you talked a little just about being able to fit each of those into schedule of, you know, cooking for beloved on Mondays and classic cookie being closed. But in general, how do you manage all of that at once on top of, I know you and your fiance Haley are getting married very soon and just personal life in general. How are you managing all of that at the same time? Well, I think the easy answer is Haley is doing a great job of managing that. I am not a good balancer. I, like I said, I get obsessed with the businesses kind of as a whole. If it wasn't for her, I would probably work 20 hours a day. She does a really good job of making sure our family stays on track and that I have groceries in the refrigerator. And then she way more than her fair share at the restaurants too. It's a challenge, but it's a really rewarding challenge. We've kind of set it up now, especially since the opening of Wild Rose. I can cater for you. I can drop off food to your house for your, your weekly meal preps. We do breakfast and we do lunch and we do dinner. We do a little bit of everything right now. It's been really fun to kind of transition back and forth between the different entities and the different responsibilities within them. Um, they all have a little, some unique stuff that goes on with them that is fun and refreshing to get back into. What would you say is one of the most rewarding aspects of being a business owner, especially within the restaurant industry in Kansas City? I think for us, and it's, it's one thing we kind of broached on with the restaurant industry as a whole. For me, it's my staff and creating an environment and a culture I wish I would have had growing up in the kitchens. We're very collaborative. Everybody has a say. Everybody gets to do everything. We don't limit people to positions. We're very understanding of families. Sometimes stuff just happens. It was really important for us to create an environment environment where if you needed to take your kid to the his rehearsal, you didn't feel stressed that you had to call up and let us know that that needed to happen. We've had the same front of house staff since we opened going on nine months now, not changing over anybody on the front of house is pretty, pretty rare in the restaurant industry. Uh, the kitchen staff actually just got built out, but we're really happy with everybody that we have back there. And everybody back there is really happy. And we're, we're constantly asking, like, what do you want to see out of a work environment? What makes you happy here? And what do you see, your, see making happy for the long term? And that's kind of how we're trying to build it. And for me, the rewarding part is building that and creating opportunities for the people within our walls. I think it speaks volumes when employees can tell how much their employer cares not only about how well the business is doing, but how their employees are doing as well. It's very easy to differentiate employers who take care of their employees and those that don't. So I think that's great. And I know very little about restaurant industry staffing as a whole. I've never worked in a restaurant personally. I was always more towards the babysitting and, and after school care. But I do know with any sort of job like that, 
there is a lot of turnover. So that's awesome that, you know, you've had some of the staff you've had since you first opened and just that you are continuing to build a great team that that's happy there. And on, you know, the flip side, what are some of the biggest struggles you face being a business owner? I think the biggest struggle that we're facing, especially now um, with inflation kind of being what it is and everybody knows everything is super expensive compared to what it was, is kind of just educating our guests and our, our regulars. Your, your bacon and eggs have to be $9 now and it can't be $6 anymore. I'm sorry. And I think once people in the that frequent restaurants start getting comfortable paying what it actually costs us to to make those products. I think that's when you'll see the biggest shift in the industry as a whole. Sourcing is not fun right now, but that's what makes it fun with the wild rose. It's very heavily based off of farmers and local producers. So if something's out, we've already conditioned our our guests that like we write we we rewrite the menu every single week. Not fully, but enough to make a noticeable difference on it. I love that. As a consumer, I always tend to uh, veer towards restaurants that are constantly changing their menu just because I love food. I'm a foodie. I love trying new things. I love seeing unique and interesting uh, flavor combinations, uh, especially the aspect of supporting local farmers. And aside from the actual supporting local part, just knowing that those ingredients are fresh and that you're not just creating menu items based off, okay, we always have to have tomato salad. And okay, what do we do if tomatoes aren't the best quality? So I think it also speaks volumes to restaurants that are able to shift so quickly because from the consumer side, to me, that always shows that the food is fresh and and high quality as opposed to kind of eating the same thing every time. And, you know, maybe one day it's better than, you know, another. And so, and I, I just love trying new food in general. That's just how I am. And so it's yeah. it's always fun with restaurants just to see, I think to see menus change because one, it keeps you coming back because you want to see what that restaurant's coming up with. And two, it's just, I think it's exciting to see what a kitchen is able to put together. We have, we have built a little bit of a framework around the menu. We will always have a land animal dish. We'll always have a sea dish. And we'll always have a flying dish, whatever that means, whether or not we're doing duck or chicken or fowl, salmon is on right now. It might switch to tuna or fluke or whatever we can get. I mean, for the, for the land animal, we just, we had um, pork chops on the menu. And I think those are going to stay because I really, I've, I've really built a good connection with the farm that we get those pork chops from, but I also just bought a whole lamb from a friend of mine. And so the pasta dish is going to change to a lamb ragu with a uh, house-made pauperdale. So yeah, we, we, I like to work within a framework too. It's really easy. If you give somebody all the resources in the world and say, you can use any ingredient, whatever combination you want. I find that that's almost easier to create great menu items than it is to say, work with inside of this little framework and still try to be creative, even though you're kind of inside of a box. Yeah, absolutely. And I imagine as a chef too, I mean, you have your ability to kind of put food together and to see what works together. It's nice to be able to have the ability to, you know, try something new. And have you ever tried something that you thought would work out really well? And either the textures didn't match well, the flavors just didn't match well. It 
It didn't meet your expectation. Have you ever had a dish that was like a total flop? Yeah, more times than I've had successes. Food is just one of those things that's constantly evolving as it's going through the cooking process. A raw pepper tastes different than a cooked pepper, which tastes different than a caramelized pepper, which tastes different than um, a, a pepper puree. You can use the same ingredient in four different ways, get four different flavor profiles out of it. So how does that fit into the dish that you want to do? It's, it becomes, you have to have a good memory. You have to kind of really know what food's going to do and kind of have this almost like, I, I call it the theory behind food. It's okay to teach somebody how to do something, but if you teach them why to do it, then they're usually, they're more able to transfer that knowledge to something else that might be a similar situation. So knowing why food does what it does through the cooking process makes it a little bit easier in, in building dishes. But yeah, not everything works. But sometimes that can bring out like some really, really good um, flavor combinations. And then kind of working your way close to perfection. You'll never get to perfect, but you just have to get to really good. Well, your, your food is, is really good. And are there any foods that you are not a particular fan of and maybe you don't like to cook with or other foods that you aren't a fan of, but you'll kind of put up with anyway to add it to a dish? I've had a lot of conversations with chefs about this, but not many that they'd be happy with me sharing out loud. I'm very much a different person when I'm at home versus cooking in the restaurants. My daughter and I could live off of Velveeta shells and cheese. And then if you throw hot dogs in there too, like we are over the moon excited. But cooking for the restaurant, it's different. I think one of my biggest points of maturity as a chef was realizing that I do have a voice as a chef. I do have something to say on the plate, but it's not all about that. And it cannot be all about what I want to say. It has to be just as much about what my guests want finding that balance between what I want to cook versus what they want to eat is kind of the ultimate shell game with being in that kitchen. And sometimes I, I, I'm not, I'm not a super big fan of mushrooms, but one of my best sellers on the classic cookie is the savory, savory crepes and eggs that is mostly mushrooms and caramelized onions wrapped up inside of grapes. Yeah. I think you just, you learn to find the good in everything that you're cooking with cookie and wild rose, it's about finding the best out of everything and trying to accentuate that as much as possible. Yeah, I've always been sort of fascinated with this idea of chefs detesting carrots or something that you feel is pretty common and then putting it in dishes. So that's interesting and interesting with the mushrooms because yeah, I've had that crepe and it's A plus. I give it an A plus review. So I want to ask, you know, when you are uh, not in the kitchen of your businesses or focused on working, what does life in Kansas City look like for you? It's pretty regimented during our uh, our work week, which for us is is Wednesday through Saturday through Monday afternoon. I'm doing my best to fight off the dad bod. So gym trips whenever we find time to get there. Planning the wedding has taken up a big chunk of our life. And then just hitting the spots that, that we would love to go to. Uh, we, we don't have a lot of free time. Therefore, we've kind of narrowed down where we go based off of the value. If it's going to be good, we know it's going to be really good. It's consistently really good. That's where we're going to go. What are some of your favorite spots in Kansas City to go to? 
Uh, Corvino's number one. I think it's number one on a lot of people's lists. Uh, that's actually where we're hosting our wedding uh, reception in their private room. So Corvino for sure. Haley's in the process of spending a lot of time at the local pottery studio and Waldo. She's a, an incredible ceramicist, I think is what they're called. We're eventually going to move all of our plates and bowls and and cups and coffee mugs at the Cookie and Wild Rose over to the stuff that she's made. Other than that, we go to, I think it's called Flying Cow. It's over by uh, Pembroke Hill High School, but it's a little gelato place. My daughter's learned that it's close enough that she can walk there. So when we go on walks, we tend to let her lead the way, which I'm learning is a big mistake because she always happens to lead us to the ice cream shop. Um, But we just try to keep it pretty simple. We spend a lot of time at Powell Gardens and really focusing on when we are with Esme and it is family time that that's what it is. It's family time. Yeah. Well, your daughter and I would uh, get along great because every time I go on a walk, I somehow by some crazy power end up right outside (laughs) Betty Ray's and um, that ceramic shop. I, I walk by there uh, a lot as well. And as you mentioned, when we when we first met, I was, I am an avid walker. I have a dog. We go on walks all the time, but I was walking by the classic cookie during all of like the renovation process and would always peep my head in and snap pictures on Instagram. But my loop You weren't is, the only one. I'm, oh, I'm sure. I'm sure everyone <laughs> was, um, I'm sure everyone was anxiously awaiting uh, for, yes. you guys, for you guys to reopen. But the ceramic shop is also one of those places that just tends to always be on the route I'm on. And I don't know how many times I've said, I really want, I want to do that. I, I took a pottery class a couple of times in high school and loved it, but that was years ago, uh, nearly a decade ago. And so, um, but I haven't done it since. And I always talk about wanting to go there. So um, I tried, she's, she's made me watch, I think it's on Netflix, but it's, it's similar to like the great British bake off, but with, with potters, she's made, I've watched all seven seasons of that. When you watch so much of one thing and you, you start like getting into it without actually doing it, you know much more than you can physically do. And I thought that I could go in there and like, I've seen it. I can probably pick this up pretty quickly. Absolutely not. It is not a skill that I possess. It is not as easy as it looks. So I thought I was hot shit and I was absolutely not. For us, her being able to, to find that Again, now that we've got some really great staff, it's going to be fun because what we like to do most with all of our concepts is tell a story. Wild Rose, and we're using the same plates as as the classic cookie, you'll find these white, green-rimmed, kind of shallow bowls that come out. Those are from Plaza 3. If you went to prom at all in the 90s, you went to Plaza 3 for your prom dinner. But it's a fun story for us to tell. Her dad worked for Filio's for 30 years and still works for the guy that owned Filios. And when we started this, he's like, Hey, I have a bunch of stuff from Plaza three in my warehouse. Do you want it for your catering? Sure. But everybody knows Plaza three and they see those plates and they're very, they they're very iconic plates within the city. So it's fun to kind of refresh old memories while creating new ones at the same time. Um, the plates that bread service came out with were originally for a restaurant called Crockstrom in Midtown which was a, like a Scandinavian, a traditional Scandinavian restaurant ran by a really, really great friend of mine, uh, Katie McLean, who's like a sister to me. And she passed those plates down to me. And it's been 
it's been an honor to be get to put them on my menu. Uh, and then we're going to eventually switch over to all of Haley's plates, but to kind of get to tell the stories through pictures hanging on the wall. I mean, everybody comments on those and like, Oh, I've been there. I went to there. And you're able to connect a lot of old memories while creating new ones at the classic cookie, which is also wild rose, which has also been a fun way to explain it to people. I think what's so special about your establishment as well is my grandma who if she were alive today would be 97 she used to always go to the classic cookie and there were decades where she talked about she had a friend who lived over there and they would go and so to kind of see the evolution of this restaurant and for someone like myself who's from Kansas City it's always really special when I get to say like oh my gosh my grandparents used to go here but look at how it's evolved. And, you know, obviously there's something really special and nostalgic about the restaurants that have been the exact same for a hundred years. There's also something really cool and unique to be able to talk about a restaurant that was open however many years ago, that's still open today, but has been refreshed and revived and is still doing great things just in a different way. And so it's one of the many things I love about the classic cookie uh, now Wild Rose is that I get to create all these new memories there with my boyfriend now living in Waldo and being such a close distance to you guys. But at the same time, you know, I have all these memories of me in high school and taking my grandma uh, there for brunch on Sundays or for an early breakfast on Sundays. So it's really nice to get to kind of have this dual memory while creating new ones. And I think that was something that we talked about a lot when when we first bought it, because I had obviously had this history with the Classic Cookie. Our business partner went to Rockhurst, grew up kind of in that Prairie Village, Brookside area. He didn't so much have a history with the Classic Cookie, but he had a history with the area and the neighborhoods. And Haley grew up in Brookside. And so one thing we talked a lot about is what makes the Classic Cookie the Classic Cookie. It's been around for... 37 years, if you include its stint on the plaza. So how has it been able to survive this long? And one thing that I, I realized pretty early on was it's not about the food. The food's always been good. What made the classic cookie be able to survive this long through recessions, through pandemics, is that when your grandma walked in there, I guarantee you they knew her name. And they probably knew your name too when you came in there. And there was always a handful of people sitting in there and they were all your friends. And it was a very welcoming, warm environment. It felt more like walking into your dining table at home than it did going, to, going out to eat at a restaurant. And so for us, when we were thinking about what the new version of the classic cookie was, while we did do a lot of work to the dining room, we also wanted to make sure that when it came to the service and it came to how the dining room felt, that we maintained that warm, cozy, homey vibe and that our service maintained the quality of, I mean, I can tell you the first six tables that are going to walk into the restaurant on Wednesday and I can pretty much tell you what they're going to order. Some of them get a little crazy sometimes and go a little off the rails um, and get a full waffle instead of a half a waffle. But for the most part, I know exactly what they're going to order. And I can tell you the times they're going to come in and the table that they want to sit at. And I know more about their family history than probably I, I can remember about my own. It's those connections that I think 
is what makes the classic cookie what it is. It's a small neighborhood restaurant. And to be a small neighborhood restaurant, you have to be a part of the neighborhood and you have to be able to immerse yourself in the lives of your guests and the people that walk through your door. They have to be your family. And that's how we try to treat everybody that comes through. I know how anxious everyone was when you guys were doing renovations and waiting to open up. And and I think that too, you know, people couldn't go without you guys. They were anxiously waiting for you to reopen, which again, just really shows this is an established place within this neighborhood and how much it means to this neighborhood and Kansas City. Is what's, that, what's that neighborhood app next door? Man, that thing was going nuts. <laughs> they were not happy when we put that brown paper up on the windows. You were but... shutting people out. People had to know. I've learned oh, people I... are nosy by nature. I'm one of those people. People wanted to know what was going on. <laughs> yeah, I think it became a problem when there was like seven people with their face glued to the window at one any given time. And I was like, all right, I got to work. This is starting to make me feel like a sideshow right now. I, I think a lot of people didn't know what to expect. I, I think the year prior to that, the classic cookie had a little bit of a, a tumultuous life. We were coming in a little bit on the uh, recovery game. So it's been fun to kind of rebuild those relationships that the cookies had for 10, 15 years, 20 years. Yeah, I think you guys exceeded everyone's expectations with what you've done, the food that you're providing, the menus, and again, just now with with Wild Rose now being open and just everything you guys are doing, everything is is working out so well. And it's I love being within a walking distance. It's slightly dangerous, but I love being within a walking <laughs> distance from you guys. <laughs> so do you have anything coming up in terms of, I know you said menu items tend to change, you know, somewhat weekly, but anything coming up really special, maybe some pop-ups. I know you guys have done um, some partnerships with other businesses. So anything coming up you'd want listeners to know about to mark on their calendar? Yeah. So we just did a wine dinner with Underdog. And I think we might look at doing some kind of Halloween dinner with them as well with Underdog Wine Company over in Crestwood. As you probably noticed when you were there, we, we are awaiting approval from the city for our liquor license. Until then, if you go to Underdog, you get 20% off of your purchase if it's meant for a Wild Rose reservation. Yeah, Wild Roses, I would say there's going to be a big menu change. We're going to change the menu pretty majorly about once a month. And then the classic cookie is getting a, a revitalized menu. We're keeping everything that everybody loves and we're throwing some new items on there. Monte Cristo, a shakshuka is going to go on the menu. And we're just going to kind of have fun with it. I think breakfast food, if you let it be, it's kind of boring and same old, same old and an egg is an egg no matter where you go. Um, so we want to find ways to make it exciting. So that's kind of where we're looking at taking Classic Cookie moving forward. You're still going to be able to get your nuts and bolts and your ham and cheese omelet, but we're going to start exploring in a few different areas and making it more fun. One thing that we've always wanted to do with Beloved and that we really love about Beloved, we named it that for two reasons. The first reason being that my daughter's name is Esme, which in old French translates to the Beloved One. And if there has ever been a sucker girl dad, it's me. Like that, that little girl at three and a half already has me deeply wrapped around her fingers. So obviously I'm going to name my business after her. I wanted to also create a legacy for her and, and have something physical 
to to hand to her when she gets old enough. And I wanted to have a place where she can she can grow and, and be able to tell stories from. And we also named it Beloved because if you think back to, I mean, you're a foodie, so you don't really count on this, but the normal person, when they think back to the, like the top five memories in their life, three out of five of those probably wrapped around food. And so we wanted to create beloved experiences for people without having to leave their home or without having to put in three hours of effort prepping and two hours of effort cleaning up the kitchen afterwards. So one thing we're really excited to do, and we'll, we'll put a lot of attention into this year is Thanksgiving meals. Thanksgiving meals tend to be very personal for people. Our goal is to create the same personal touch that you would get at home, but allowing you to not have to spend an entire day prior to Thanksgiving cooking. We're really excited to throw Thanksgiving pre-made meals onto uh, onto everybody's tables this year. That's awesome that you will be um, including Thanksgiving dinners uh, from someone who's had experience of a wide range of Thanksgiving dinners and the stress of cooking and just XYZ. I feel like Thanksgiving is a lot of people's favorite time of year, but I also think, uh, unfortunately, being around family tends to cause everyone a lot of stress. And so having to eliminate one portion of stress, the biggest portion of stress during that that time is uh, very exciting. <laughs> sounds very refreshing. Where where can people find uh, you and your businesses on social media, your actual location? Let listeners know where they can actually find you. So our actual location is 71st and Warnell. We are kind of at the top of that little L-shaped shopping center. Uh, social media is Classic Cookie KC and Wild Rose KC. Um, all of the restaurants are similar. It's wildrosekc.com, um, belovedkc.com. I think the, the easiest way to get in touch with us as as millennial of an answer as this is, is to just send a, a DM on Instagram. And we're usually fairly responsive on that. I think those are probably the easiest ways to get a hold of us. Perfect. Well, Brian, thank you so much for joining me. I've been a longtime lover and supporter of the Classic Cookie, and I'm just so excited with what you and Haley have done. And for anyone who has not uh, visited Wild Rose yet, we are still talking about that meal. We went a few weeks ago, and it's still somehow... Dan and I just keep bringing it up in conversation. We'll be talking about football season starting. And then we'll be like, remember, <laughs> remember that miso butter? That was so good. And then we'll be talking about something else. We talk about one of the other dishes we ordered. So yeah, everything that you're doing there is so great. And I'm excited to continue to check out what you're doing and the new menus coming out. So thank you so much again for joining me and in sharing your, your story. Yeah, it was great to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, listeners, be sure to follow all the social media accounts. It's always um, nice to enjoy some food porn on your feed <laughs> and uh, good looking pictures of food. And as always, you can follow me uh, at Casey by Sari, and we will see you next week.